Sean. Voor die wat my nie ken nie, my naam is Frits. Ek is eindelijk Afrikaans. Uh, but we, we uh, do most of our services in, in English for, because we've got quite a few people who don't speak Afrikaans. So, so morning, it's a privilege to be with you this morning. And uh, thanks for my daughter, Alma, that joins me all the way in between our studies. I'm really privileged. <laughs> thanks, Alice. <laughs> so um, just, just from a, a background point of view, um, for those who haven't been with us every Sunday, and, and I've missed a few with, uh, with build work and stuff, so just want to pick up a line and give some context into what I want to speak. But the, the, the topic that my, of my preach is keeping our eyes on Jesus. And the context is that Andrew Selly, when he came here, he spoke about abiding in the vine. We can bear no fruit unless we graft it into Jesus. And then Ruan uh, had quite a, a long series on, on the, the potter and, and God forming us and, and uh, and how he changes our lives and, and, and does things in us. And, and, I just, um, and then the, Cassie also spoke, to, spoke about that vine. And, and he also used the example of the snake in the desert. For those of you, you know Moses when they looked at the snake. And, and, um, and, and the, the string I want to draw here today is, is that relationship with God. And how we can stay connected. And I think it's one of the things that came out this morning just even in the worship. Is, and, and I sense there are some deep things that, that each one of us struggles with and, and, uh, and difficulties in life and how to, how to work those things through in the context of, of eternity and, and in the context of God. And, um, and th- therefore, I want to I address two things um, that can take our eyes off Jesus. Okay, so the first thing that can take our eyes off Jesus um, is, is Satan's lies. I was just walking in... Um, I was walking in... in Town uh, last week, and I looked, and, and I work in Joburg. I was up in Joburg, and the CBDs are quite a mess at the moment. And you walk there, and, and you realize, you know, you got to watch your phone, watch your wallet, watch out for armed robberies, watch out for this. And I, I just walked, and I thought, all of this, every single thing that's bad, all the disease, COVID, everything, can be attributed to one lie. One lie, where Satan started and he deceived Adam. If it wasn't for that lie, we'd be in eternity. And um, I want to just focus on, on the start on that lie. And, um, and the, what that lie did, it, it, it separated man from God. And it, it's, it caused Adam to sin and break that, separ- uh, break that, that intimate father-son relationship. And in that moment, Satan attacked both God's identity and man's identity. Because... because Adam was, you can read the Bible, various times it's mentioned, Adam, son of God. But here, Adam stopped believing that whatever his father said to him was the truth and the right thing. And the snake also attacked the identity of God. And um, if we just go into, if you read, if you read Genesis, I think it's three, Genesis three, verse one, two, three, and you, and you just look at that whole scene, how, how Satan did it. And remember, he's the father of, the, of all lies. And he brought everything all the lies into the world. That's if the, the Bible says when he speaks his native tongue, he lies. So, say Afrikaans is, is lichtal. So, for me, Afrikaans is praat for him. As hy sy gewone taal praat, dan lieg hy. And, and, and look what he did when he came to, uh, came to Adam. He, he's not, he's so cunning, he comes and he says, there's a bit of truth in the lie. So, he comes and he says, did God really say that you're not allowed to eat of any of the trees in the garden? So, what's he insinuating? He's insinuating that God is such, like he, he knows God and he, he knows what's going on in the garden. And he knows that, that God is such an unfair 
being that he would, he's the kind of person that would tell you not, you can't eat of any of the trees. And so now, now Eve goes, no, 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 no. But already she's sort of taken that one lie on her. She said, no, he's not that bad. Look, he said, and he said, I can't eat from that one tree. And you, if you read about what they say about that tree, actually it says you, you weren't even allowed to hold it. And, and here he comes and says, no, no, if you eat, eat of that fruit, you will not die. You will, it, it's, it's good. You will actually become like God. And, and, and then Eve looked at the fruit and says the, the fruit were, were a beautiful behold. They were good for, for nourishment and they were desirable to give one wisdom. And, and here she's faced with this thing that this God, you know, Father, has said she's not allowed of, to have of this thing that, that's apparently good. And Satan knows about it. And isn't that the way that the snake comes into all of us, comes with all of us? Not in that exact way, but there's always a touch of truth. And, and the biggest way that, that I've found the lie in my life and in our life is, is God good? Can we really trust Him? And the moments that, that we, each one of us, you might be young, you might be at school still, and you might not have experienced, you, you might have grown up sheltered, or you might have come from an abusive house, or you... You grew older. Don't worry. Life gives everyone knocks. Some sooner, some later. But when that knock comes, that's your first time to decide, is God really good? Because I've got this good father that I read about in the Bible, but what's happened to me doesn't feel good right now. It does, just doesn't make sense. And, and the world will tell you, no, you know what? How can a good God let these things happen in the world? And you know what? It's, it's, it's easy to talk about it in theory until it comes, it's, it's home, it hits a bit closer. But I can tell you now, each and every one of us have to decide that thing. And, and the moment when you get, when you're going to be confronted with that question, is going to be a moment where it doesn't seem like the reality. It's not going to feel like God is good. For Eve, when she was confronted with that question, it, doesn't, it didn't seem fair. Everything made sense. This is the tree. Why is she not allowed to eat of this? This snake... It looked desirable. And when you're going to be confronted with that question, you are not going to feel like God is good. So I, I was confronted with that question, and, and uh, subsequently I've, had to, I've, I've made it up. But there was one moment when I knew that I, that I, that I dealt with that question. We, we, um, our third child was born deaf. And, you know, if you've got a little one, you know, your, your heart's like, I think, you, I think you sense a bit what God feels like. Just on a side note, um, Imagine, like, Adam was son of God. So I've read the story again, and I thought, you know what? It talks about the first Adam and the second Adam, and I'll talk a bit, bit about that later. But if, my, if, if I was God and I created Adam, and he caused that nonsense, I would have gone reset, delete, start afresh. That, that's what I would have done. And uh, just in that, there's such a picture of God's, uh, of God's heart. I mean, if it, if it was... If we were some sort of evolutionary being that, that sort of came up from the, from the mud and, um, and God wasn't that bothered, he would have said reset and start afresh. Let's take the next one's free will away and take the tree out the garden. But he didn't. He's, he so loves even his first son, after his son, that he immediately creates a plan to save him. And that just, for us, if we read the Bible and we, and we see that, we should, it should tell us something about the Father's heart. I mean, look at all we've got now. Look at the world where it's gone. That's all part of the recovery plan. God could have gone reset and made a new earth. But anyway, but for me, um, and, and some of that father's heart, I've, 
I've experienced, and all of us who've got children, you can't imagine, you can't imagine loving someone like that. Then you have your first child, and then you think, oh, I don't know if I should have more children. I don't know if I can love the next child. And somehow God just expands your heart. And um, and our third child, Pippa, was um, was became deaf through through uh, chickenpox, and uh, and and we were like. I mean, we didn't even know deaf people. We, we were like clueless, and, and we didn't know how to handle it. And it's like you're trying to deal with it in your marriage, and you're struggling, and your wife's dealing with it this way, and you're dealing with it another way. And uh, I remember we, sit, we were sitting at a, a, like a, a meal with friends and, and from church, and this one guy said, hey, man, God's good. I remember looking at him and thinking, hey, Bruce, speak for yourself. Eh? Um, I'm not experiencing God as being good at this stage. But I remember there was this... There was this like um, almost like a fear that, that, that came upon me because I knew enough about God to know He's a reality. But I, and I knew if I was going to take this route of rebelling against God, it was going to lead to death. And I just, that moment I decided, you know, I'm not going to cut my nose to spite my face. I'm not going to do that. And I chose to say, you know what? I don't know the, the full story. I don't know the full reality, but I choose to believe God is good. And that for me, it might sound simple, but that was a choice I made. And every single one of us, I believe, is going to be faced with some situation where you're going to have to make that choice. And for me, that, that's a choice that I remember. But I mean, you might be sitting and you could have loved, lost a loved one. Maybe you've had dreams that never materialized. Maybe you're going through a financial crisis. You know, maybe you're sitting in a marriage that you're thinking, you know, how can... How can this be God's plan for me? And, and that's, the, that's a place where we need to fight this lie because it's the same lie. It's the same thing. And, you, you know, we say um, it, it's the devil's lies. For, let me just say that I don't believe the devil is he's not like God. He's not omnipresent. In other words, the devil can't be here and in America at the same time. If he's, if he's reaping havoc in Afghanistan, he's not here at the moment. Trust me, then he's there can't be at multiple places. He's got some demons and stuff that's everywhere, and uh, some of his cronies, but they're not as intelligent as what he is. But the devil is not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He doesn't know what you think. He knows, he knows humans. But that lie came in through our genes. You remember what, what Ron said? Jesus might be in your heart, but granddad is in your bones. <laughs> we might be Christians, but we've still got the genes. And, and and um, you, you'll know that, uh, I'll, I'll go into it later, the first Adam and the second Adam. We, we've, we've basically come along from that genealogy, from Adam. And that lie and that doubt, um, what the Bible says, you know, what, what, what walks with the father, runs with the children, that doubt is the same, same doubt. It, it's origin, it's Satan, but it's not Satan himself whispering in your ears. It's something that's ingrown in the fallen man. We doubt if we can trust God. And that's where we've got to come. You've got to come in those situations, wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, you've got to come to a place where you say, look, I don't understand how God can be good, and I'm sitting with this, and this can happen, or this is happening in the world, but we've got to come to a place where we choose to believe what the Bible says about God, and what He says about Himself, and how He sent His Son to, to redeem us after, after we came into sin. So yeah, um, I think that's a each one of us will be faced with that decision. And I think the sooner that you make it, the better. And it's not something that, um, that's made out of feelings. It's not something that's made out of 
It's an act of the will, and it's done in faith. And, and the Bible says when, when we activate our faith, so, so what is faith? So let me take an example of a farmer. He, he hopes for rain, but he goes and plows the fields before it rains. He doesn't feel like it's raining. He doesn't feel like he's going to get a crop, but he says, I am trusting that it's going to rain, and therefore I do this. And it's in the same way, what we've got to do in, in those situations, we've got to say, I don't feel God is good. I don't, it, it doesn't see my circumstances, it doesn't say that, but I choose to believe God is good. I choose to believe. And, and in that moment, maybe your feelings aren't there. Maybe they won't follow immediately. But if you start acting and living as if God is good, that's called faith. That's trust, trusting the things that you can't see at the moment. And, and believe me, you will get to a place where you can see God is good again. Because that's the reality. That's the truth. Okay, so, so Jesus did that. So if we look at the example of Jesus and we're keeping our eyes on him, um, have you thought about this? Uh, and maybe, maybe I'm the only guy that thinks about this. I, I'm thinking outside. Nelly said I'm in, inside the box, but I'm outside the box when I read the Bible. So if you think about Jesus, né? Um, when he died, God had to resurrect him. And it says um, he, he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped. He, he became a, a man for our sakes. So if you thought about it, the moment he became a man, he would have had to die anyway. And the only way God would have had to resurrect him anyway, whether he died of the, on the cross or whether he died on old age. So Jesus chose to follow the Father even in heaven when he chose to become, to become a man. That was, that was the Father's plan for him. And I, I'm telling you now, I wouldn't have thought it was a good plan if I was Jesus. Like you've got to become a man and the only way that you probably going to come back to heaven is again if, if, if I resurrect you. Imagine that trust. And that's the one, and that's the one that, that sets our example. That's the one that trusts the Father from a place of saying, I've been with the Father. He says, no one knows the Father except the Son. I've been with the Father. I've, I'm coming down to, to show you the Father. And what I'm doing is I'm only keeping my eyes on the Father. And when he was confronted with the cross, he looked and he said, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. He asked, he actually begged God, if there's another way, I don't want to take this. He took on the sin of the whole world, and he, and he died on the cross, and he got to a point where only God could resurrect him. And I think that's a place where every Christian has to go to. We've got to come to a place where we say, unless God resurrects me, I can't do it. And, you know, it's, it sounds, um, I don't know, I don't know how, how God, I know he's an intimate father. And like, like with any father, you're going to raise all your children differently. He's, he doesn't have the same formula with us. But we need to understand his nature, and that's good. And that's, a, that's one thing that if, if that's in your, uh, a line sitting in your heart or a doubt sitting in your heart, I, I trust that we can deal with that today. I trust that God can deal with that today. I can't deal with it. I can tell you the truth. You can just choose to believe it, and that's called faith. And as, as Sean says, you know, um, we are heavenly beings having a temporary earthly experience. Uh, Uncle Will always said it so nicely, and that's the reality. And trust me, the more you choose to trust God, the more that reality will become a truth to you. And, and it won't. We grow in faith. It's something that grows. It's not, but but it starts with a choice. But it's something you'll grow in. The second lie that I just want to touch on briefly that that Satan did, um, and that's something that that I also believe um, that we come in, into contact with a lot is, is as soon as Adam and Eve sinned against God, they went and they hid themselves from God. 
So the second lie is that we can hide from God. We, he won't see what we're doing. They also tried to cover themselves. They made for themselves out of um, fig leaves. They made for themselves coverings. And by the way, that's how death came into the world. After sin, the first death that we read about is God taking skin of an animal to cover them with. So God provided the sacrifice, and death came into the world, and He used the skin, and He covered us. And in the same way, it's a picture of how Jesus covers us. There's no way we can hide from God. There's no way we can cover our own sin. The only person that can cover our sin is Jesus Christ through His sacrifice. And um, why, why I'm talking about this sin, because, or because why I'm talking about this lie is because God came and he, and he paid the price. He didn't press reset. He came and paid the cri- price to, to save all of, you, all of humankind. And the, this lie of the devil is still raging in people who haven't accepted Jesus. They think they can hide from God. They think God doesn't see them. He doesn't love them anymore. He's cross with them. He's angry with them. And they think they can cover themselves. There's no way that we can hide from God. God sees what we're doing. Um, and God loves us. God loves the, the people who are not following him. He loves the people who are... If you think about the worst murderer, the worst murderer that on earth, and you think, okay, maybe God doesn't love him or her. Imagine Adam was responsible for that. It came through his being, his doing. And God already showed how he showed mercy to Adam. He covered them. And um, God's heart is just merciful towards, towards the um, people who don't know him. And we need to understand it. We need to get it out. There's, there's, no, there's a lie that says... There's, it's not too late for anybody, and nobody can save themselves. And um, I say that specifically because I know as a congregation, you know, we've been encouraged to reach out, and as Christians, it's something that, that the Bible speaks about. But we need to understand God's grace for people, for, for the dying world. And we need to understand what lie we're coming up against. These people probably feel God can't forgive them. God has forgotten. He's cross with them. He can't. They've done such bad things. God can't, you know, you know my sin. Yeah, you don't know my sin. It's like even prideful in sin. <laughs> Our sin is not that bad. God can cover. His blood paid the price for all of the sin of the world. Amen. Are you still with me? Okay, so, um, and, and that's where, where, where Jesus says, he says um, in 1 John 8, 3 to 8, he says, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And the works of the devil are lies. And Jesus came to destroy those things. And, and, and he paid for it by his blood. And we need to understand this power. We don't have to persuade people with, with uh, the Bible. Paul says, I didn't come with persuasive words, but I came with the power of the gospel. And the gospel is there's good news. There's a God that loves us so much that he reconciled us through Jesus Christ. And that's the message that we bear. And that's the thing that breaks down these lies. We serve a good God. We serve a God that we love. How can, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe some of your circumstances are, you know, you, maybe you've lo- lost a love, loved one. And, and I can maybe talk about Pam at the moment. If you send Pam Marie, that's Will Marie's wife, who's just passed away last week. I've sent her WhatsApp this week. You'll see, she says, in his arms of grace. Giving praise to God. Thanking God. And obviously very um, hard so that Will has passed away. But giving praise to God. And maybe have you, in your circumstances, maybe in those places where, where you've just been hurt or you've, you, you're going through a very difficult time, maybe people around you seeing that you're still trusting in a good God is maybe just a testimony that they need to understand what, what kind of God um, is, the, is the God of heaven and earth. Maybe those circumstances, that's what, what it took with Jesus. Jesus was willing to die on the cross. Have you thought about this? 
the 12 disciples, except Peter chopped off the one guy's ear, and then he followed into the, into the courtyard, except for him, all of them ran away, just before Jesus was crucified. After Jesus was risen, all of them died for their faith, martyrs. It took the cross and to see the resurrected Christ to be willing to say, I'll give my life to this. Beforehand, they, they had spent years with Jesus. They did miracles, but they ran away at the moment of the cross. But with, when they saw the risen Christ, they were all willing to, to die for their, for their faith. That's what we need. We need to see the risen Christ in our life, and we need to understand that maybe our trials are an opportunity to give glory to God. Maybe He, he is a good Father. Maybe these circumstances, I don't know why these circumstances are, are in your life or what's, what, what are the challenges in your life, but just maybe the way that you handle it and the way that Christ gets the glory out of it can be a, a, one of those lights that, that pull, draws people to the Lord. Okay, so that's, the, those are the, the things that I want to draw up. Um, just want to talk about it on the, on the lies of devil. But one of the things that, I've, that I think also for us as a congregation, I'm, I'm specifically now uh, maybe talking more to the, the regular Joshian guys, the guys who've been with us a long time, and, 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 and my, myself as well, is one of the things that, uh, that takes our eyes off Jesus when we become Christians are that, you know, it's, I'm, I'm going to use this picture of the snake in the desert. So, so just the background for those who don't know, when Moses and them were going through the desert, the Israelites, they were murmuring and they were, they were um, complaining, and God sent fiery serpents in their midst. And these snakes came and they, and they, and they uh, bit the people, and they were poisoned, and, the, and people were dying. And the way that they were saved is that Moses was instructed by the, by the Lord to make a, cop, a copper snake, a bronze snake, and put it on a, on a cross and lift it up. And as the people were looking at the snake, they were being healed. And it's, it's got various pictures. You know, we're still getting bitten by the lies of the snake, and we are still dying, and we still get saved as we look to the Savior on the cross. And... Um, and, the, and Cassie alluded to this. He, he spoke about the words that the Bible uses is, is, is look and keep on looking. It's not like, okay, I've looked at the snake and I'm, I'm going to get healed. They, they, were, they, were, they were looking and keeping on looking um, for, for, for their salvation, being saved. And, and, and I believe it's a powerful picture that we, that we keep our eyes on Christ. One of the things that we can do when we, when we are Christians and we've, when we've walked with the Lord for, for, for some time is that the moment we start getting healed, we start looking at ourselves and, sure, look at me. Hey, I survived the snake bite. Eh? And we start taking our, our eyes off Jesus. And, uh, and the Bible calls it religion. And, and I think it's one of the things that, um, that we can get caught up, that we don't look and, and, and testify and help people to be drawn to, to look at Jesus for their salvation. We start becoming so so amazed by how how powerful we were healed, and, and we become inward focused. And, um, and, and I think, it, I think it's, it's a fine line, because I think Andrew even said at the gathering, you know, our strength is our weakness. You know, in, in Josh Jen, I think we, we're quite tight um, communities. We, we get together, we get together and socially. Um, but it's also one of our weaknesses. We don't, we don't look out as much as we, as we can, and we need to have both. We need to stand in amazement of this God that's healing us, but we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Um, and, and we must remember that, um, I, th I think to some extent, we start f forgetting what the mercy we had. Now, I just want to make a, 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 like a 
definition. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So the snake bit me. I deserve to die, but I'm, I receive mercy and, and I don't die. Grace is getting something that you didn't deserve. So in, in other words, I'm able to go to heaven and I'm able to live a life with, without uh, giving glory to God in a sinful body through the grace, divine enablement. And God gives us the grace as Christians to live a life that we can't live. That we can't live. We, we live a life that we're not able to live. In other words, sin is always going to be something that entraps us. But when we follow Jesus, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we see that, we start seeing His heart for the lost. We start seeing the, the, why He paid this price. And we start looking at people with different eyes. We start looking, as I, I mentioned last week when we at Natalia, even what makes it difficult to, to reach out to the, to, the, um, to the people that don't know the Lord or the lost is a lot of them are doing things that are, that are not good, and, and they, they are doing things that you disagree with. But we can see something good in people. We, God chose to overlook us and to cover us and, and, and see something good, and that is the grace of God. God gives, and, and He gives it differently to, to each one of us. Some of you have got, uh, come from a, maybe someone comes from a, a background of alcoholism, and he understands what it is. And one of these people are drinking, and, he and God gives you the grace. He's given through those things that you've gone through. He's given you to, the grace to, to love these two people, to understand where they're coming from. Maybe you're a single mother. God has given you the grace to understand these people's, the battles they're going through. And, and, and that divine enablement he's given to us as his children, as the ones who follow him, to go and minister to other people, to, to, do, to follow his example. He didn't come to, to, to earth to save himself or to build up a ministry. He came to give himself and pay the price and, and save other people. And I believe that's what he's given us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And this morning, um, I believe each and every one of us sitting here needs, I, I think God is just, changing our, our, our alignment again and to say, sure, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what you've done. Help me to also spread the gospel, the good news. So we, uh, we, I, I spoke to some, um, some TMT students during the week. And uh, uh, so, so the, the guys, uh, I must say, TMT is such a lovely environment. It's students. It's our Wellington stu um, Church. have got this Bible school. And they, they go there for a year, and it's absolutely a bubble situation. You just like you're so into it. You go on outreaches, you see miracles, people praying, and you just surround it. And we've got some TMT. Sean is a TMT student. I remember when Sean was in, <laughs> in TMT, he slept on his bucky at the back of the building, and the one night someone came to rob him. And I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know Sean was a, a rugby player, and he was quite a rough guy when he was at school. And uh, this guy jumped into the back of the bucky at a knife point, and he said he wants his wallet or something. Hey, wallet, you had to get inside and get his phone, his wallet. He, he, he dispossessed Sean. <laughs> he took all, I think he took all Sean's possessions. He was sleeping in a borrowed bucky. <laughs> so um, I just remember thinking, yes, I would have given that guy a big club. I think I would have headbutted him. I was like, how can Sean stay so calm? And, uh, and these TMT students are just, they, they're in this year of their life that they, they do these things. And, uh, and I chatted to them, and, and, uh, and I mean, God's done a lot for them, uh, you know, and He's changed their lives. 
And one of the guys asked me afterwards, he said, you know, what do you see in my life? You know, thanks, thanks for the wisdom. And, and, you know, what do you see in our life that we can work on? And I, and I prayed about it, and I, I just, it, it struck me. And I said, you know what, I think, I think if, you, if you look at the people around you, because he's going to be a second year next year, and he's going to be mentoring people, have a look at the people that, you, that are closest to you and see how well they do. And if, you, if they do well, I think you would have done well. And he was like, I, I could see, I, I don't think it's the answer he wanted. Probably would have wanted, like, pray a bit more, or, you know, if you can just, like, do this or what. You know, and, and it's all focused on ourselves. And I think it's taking your eyes off Jesus and focusing on, where can I still get healed? Maybe my leg is not just, like, exactly what it was before the snake bite, you know. Maybe I can just do some sprints or hamstring exercise or whatever. And, and I think it's, it's taking our focus off ourselves and looking at the ones around us. How can I help the one guy that's too weak to look at his snake to just lift up his head? Just encourage him to lift up and look at the snake. And, and I think that's the encouragement for all of us. So um, my challenge to, to us as a congregation is maybe, maybe next year when, when we stand, next, next year just before the Christmas break, maybe look at your own environment. Maybe look at the ones closest to you or the one that you've got influence in and see how well it's going with them spiritually. And that would be the real measure of your, of your success. How well you've lived out your faith. And, of course, we've got to be praying. We've got to be encouraged. We've got to, we've, we've got to read the Scriptures. We've got to do those things. Those things are, are abiding in the vine. But the close, you know, one of, it's almost like we also think that we're not qualified. It's almost like the, 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 one of the lies that prevents the person from coming to Jesus, he, trying to cover himself, is, I've heard it so many times, no, I can't become a Christian yet. I'm not good enough. I must still sort this and this and this and that. Then I become a Christian. It's almost like, I can't go to the doctor yet. I'm too sick. I must just get healthy, and then I'll go to the doctor. It's like, like you, you're defeating the point. And it's the same with, with us with, with reaching out. It's like, I don't know enough. I think most of the people in our church know more than um, they can plant a, a church in Africa. They know more than many of the pastors in Africa. Those people get saved, and they share the gospel, and that's how the churches start. Not through knowledge, just through revelation of God's salvation in their lives. And I think for us as well, I think the, 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 the encouragement I felt praying this, for this morning is taking our eyes off ourselves as a church and looking to those around us, encouraging them. Good, thanks, Nelly. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've just got this picture, you know, we raise our kids to, to become adults one day. And even as a church, you know, imagine... You know, raising your kids and they, and they biggest baron out now is taller than me, and he's sitting by your feet all the time. Oh, Daddy, I'm just so awesome. Can we? Can I just sit at your feet all the time? It's like, okay, Burns. You know, you've grown up. Go and look. Go and do a job, or go and do something. Go, go live a life. And I think it's the same. You know, and, and we need to grow in our Christian life. Yes, it's good to sit at the feet of Jesus and good to get a revelation from Him. But why are we doing that? So we can get His heart for the lost. So we can help other people. We can't just sit like babies all the time. Oh, I just want to sit in the presence and, and that. It's good, but it's for a reason. Um, I think the devil hates it when we do this. He hates it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm almost done with my speech. Um, I think I just want to end off with a story. I, I, wrote the, I wrote the epic a long time ago. I must t- stop telling that story. It, f- it feels like ages ago. <laughs> um, in 2009. And uh, I was doing a lot of mountain bike races, and I was... I was 
uh, the Epic is a mountain bike race. It's the Epic mountain bike race. It's the mountain bike. I, I think everyone should know about the Epic. The Absa Cape Epic. It's epic. But anyway, I was doing a lot of mountain <laughs> I was doing a lot of mountain bike races in those times, and, and I was quite fit. I used to come in at like top ten percent of the of the finishes, and I was very proud of myself. And uh, and uh, the the one year I rode the Karoo to coast, and uh, it's about a hundred and ten k race from George to somewhere from Otsun to George. And I just felt God speak to me about just the way that I, that I, that I see this race, and I just got this picture of maybe, you know, me getting there at the finish, and I'm going like, yeah, it's a, we've got like eight hours to do this race. I've done it in four. Like, I'm like quite good. And, and, and just God looking at me and saying, how many people? You had four more hours to help people that got stuck along the road. And um, I, I just thought maybe maybe one, way, one day we get to heaven, and um, if you know the Lord, then it's something to look out for but it's, and, and look forward to. And you're getting to meet the Lord, and he says, hey, well done. Um, yes, Lord, I'm here. Look at me. And he says, yeah, you, just, you missed so many opportunities to help people that came along your path. And, and I remember going for that race, and, and there was a guy that had a flat wheel. Obviously, I wasn't stopping for people, waiting for them to get flat tires. And I just, I just thought, God, if someone comes and I meet them along the road and they've got a problem, then I'm help, I'll help them. And I, and I saw this one guy. I had a race with one of the local pole guys. And um, I stopped and I helped the guy with a flat tire, and and I did this thing, and I, and I missed my, I missed my time I was aiming for. I was aiming, aiming for four hours, and I did four eleven, and and this guy beat me, but afterward I realized, I think I got the point, and I think many of us miss the point. I think we need to get the point, that one day, um, the scripture that I've got is in um, is Matthew twenty four. 45 to 51, where, where Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and he says, who is that servant that gives, gives people their food in due season? And I think if, if we are servants of the Most High, if we've been saved, if we've, if we've been covered by Jesus' grace, we are those who give people their food in due time. And we look around and we trust Jesus to bring those people that he, that he wants us to give food to on our path. And we give them food in due season. Amen. The last thing I, I want to encourage you, the last word. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him, it's Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. If you are following Jesus, you've got to give up your life. And you've got to focus on other people. We've, we, we've got to let go of our lives. And he, he says in his word, he promises, he who loses his life will find it. And I can, I can assure you, if you are willing to put your lives in the good Father's hands, you will find it. Amen. Thank you, Fred. One, two. Can you hear me? I only hear myself. Thanks, Fritz. Um, I want us to respond in a way, and the, what I want to pull through is how those lies actually manifest in our lives is that it's most of the times it's going to come out in a time of difficulty or suffering. It's when, when you, and generally that's uh, in terms of, you know, happens to us humans when it's finances or 
relationships or, or close, you know, close people you love. And it could come through when somebody is sick uh, or you, when you're struggling financially. You know, if, you know, and you'll see a lot of atheists, their arguments will be, you know, but if God is loving, you know, why is there sickness? You know, why do people suffer? And that is exactly a type of question that the, the snake would have asked in the garden. Is God really loving if, you know, your family is getting sick, if there's cancer, if there's COVID, if people, you've seen somebody suffocate and die due to COVID, you know, in your, in your close, you know, family unit or whatever it may be. Is God really loving if he allows those things to happen? And I think that is the context with, you know, I don't think many of us have been confronted by a snake and he's asked us that God really say, you must eat of this fruit or not, you know. Um, that's, not, that's not our, that's not the lies that we are confronted with on a daily basis. Um, it's much more close to home. Um, it has to do with, you know, our identities and, and generally relationships and difficulties in, in finances and so on. And the antidote and the, the key, uh, I think the antidote is the right word because um, you have to, you have to take your medicine in that sense. You have to take the antidote. And the antidote is relying on what God has said. Um, Adam and Eve should have relied on what God has said. And we all know that God the Father in the garden, although it was hard for them to understand, He knew what was best for them. And in your situation where you are right now, um, and for the rest of our lives, we're going to be confronted with situations that we can't plan or prepare for or know is going to happen. But we're going to be faced with questions um, about the goodness of, of God, about the love of God. And in those moments, we need to rely on the Word of God. And most of the times, it's helpful to have a brother or a sister in God that can be there with you to pray with you um, and to remind you, if you cannot remind yourself, what it is that God is saying. So if we could um, take a moment um, together. So, in a, you know, whoever's sitting close by to you, um, people you know, <laughs> just let's, let's take two to three minutes. Let's, let's just pray. Um, so you're going to pray together. You're going to, if you do feel like you need to share something, uh, like say like, hey, this is what I'm confronted with at the moment. We're going to pray and we're going to confess God's truth, um, God's identity in that situation. So if you are confronted with, you know, whatever it may be, um, it can be very difficult. It can be, in your mind, not so difficult. But if this is a moment to practice uh, our faith. Uh, this is a moment to, you know, hey, I acted in anger towards my wife because we were perhaps a little later than I wanted to be, you know. I need to, you know, I want to practice. Okay, God, help me to be more patient. and more. You are ultimately, God, the most patient. You know, teach me to be patient. Teach me to be a loving husband, even inside when there's conflict. You know, that, that's just a general example of what you could be praying for right now. So let's take two or three minutes. Let's pray together. Pray together as a family. Pray together as friends. Um, if you need to confess, confess, but stand on God's word, stand on his truth.